Let's bring in our first guest. Carly Garner joins us. She's the senior commodity strategist and broker at D. Carly Trading. Carly, it's good to have you with us. Happy Wednesday. Lots to talk about today. Uh, let's begin with the week uh, that's been, well, kind of littered with the comments from OPEC, EIA, e, uh, the IEA, and, well, all revised demand forecasts lower. I guess no surprise considering China and some of the geopolitical unease. Right. I mean, it's just been a barrage of fundamental uh, headlines for the last, let's say, six weeks in oil. It's made it really extremely difficult to trade based on fundamentals. I think that's always the case, but even more so in, in today's market. I mean, we're picking up 2 million barrels a day here, losing it here. It's hard to to add up the math, and and a lot of it is is guessing, to be honest. So we're focusing on two things. We're focusing on seasonals, which tend to be bullish this time of year for oil, and the chart. As ugly as the chart is, Prices on the front month do seem to be settling in between, let's say, 100 and 110, and I think that's exactly what needs to happen for this market to get into a more uh, healthy stance. I mean, the volatility has just been unruly, and I think it's pushed a lot of traders to the sidelines, unfortunately. So for that liquidity to come back, we need things to settle down, and I think that's what we're going to get. Carly, any uh, indication that, uh, well, any easing in terms of some of the backwardation as we've seen it oftentimes suggests, again, the demand for the physical present right now and the availability of, uh, uh, has things returned back to normal at all? Uh, I wouldn't say normal. I'd, I think we're a long way off from normal, but okay. it it has taken a step in that direction. I mean, it's been interesting with the, uh, with the reserve releases mm -hmm. over the last couple of weeks. We've seen the front month's drop off quite a bit in the back months, not quite as much. So the spreads are easing a little bit. Um, something to point out is if we're taking oil out of the reserves today, we're going to have to replace those barrels at some point. And I think a lot of speculators are thinking that's going to be uh, later, th much later this year. And so we're seeing the back months hold up pretty well. But again, there's so many factors and so many moving parts that uh, even people that have been doing this for for a long period of time, we're having trouble getting a read on this. So I think all we can do at this point is uh, be mindful of the risk and, and trade small. This is not a place to try to hit home runs. This market is pretty wild. You know, one thing we keep watching is that 92 level. It seems like we continue to find support there. Talk to us about uh, inventories in terms of, well, today we'll get a look at the IEA numbers, but uh, talk to me in terms of the uh, API yesterday. I did see uh, that they came in with a bit of a build, a significant build up 7.7. Yeah, you know, it's been interesting to see the market's reaction to the inventory numbers in the last couple of weeks. The market's actually done almost the opposite of what conventional wisdom would assume it would do based on the numbers. So, so uh, you know, it, it, what can I say? Uh, this is a, a crazy market. But I do think, I mean, if you look at the big picture, supplies are tight. Mm -hmm. I for one, have been expecting supplies to come in a lot faster, and they just they just are not. And I think OPEC's gotten really comfortable. I mean, uh, when Russia and, Russia and OPEC had a price war in 2020, at the same time that we were dealing with COVID, pushing oil prices below uh, $20 a barrel. In fact, in the front months, it went much lower. I don't think even they could have predicted how well that plan worked out. I mean, everything has just played out perfectly for them. And uh, to make things worse for the consumers, we have the U.S. picking up the slack and EIA picking up the slack. Uh, 
with the oil reserve releases, things like that. So, I mean, it's just been, it's been interesting. I, I got to give it to them. They've played their hand very well mm -hmm. and it's working out to them. Prices are relatively stable at a hundred dollars or a little above. And I think that's exactly what they want. So I wouldn't expect OPEC to bring any extra supply in. You know, I did see that the IEA actually commented about OPEC and their, uh, while refusal to actually increase supply, they said that they don't see uh, well, basically, OPEC doesn't see real supply shortages, so uh, sticking with the uh, output uh, as expected here now. And again, the IEA did comment on that. Let's talk a little bit about natural gas because prices have been sharply higher. They have. Natural gas has been, it, it, it feels like to me, if you look at a weekly chart, this looks like a, a breakout. Um, hmm. I mean, officially, we did see 650 in the front months late last year, and I think we're headed towards that again. Um, Honestly, though, I, I think that there's an opportunity for natural gas in the U.S. market, believe it or not, to get up to eight, nine dollars wow. at some point later this year. I mean, it'd be a wild move, but that's how 2021, 2022 hmm. have been for commodities. Just the un unthinkable happens. So I think that's probably in the cards. Uh, do you see this as a result of some of the uh, war in Ukraine, ultimately? I mean, we know that Putin has a strong hand in terms of uh, uh, natural gas, at least supplies to Europe. Sure. I mean, I think that's a really big part of it. And I think it's more of um, a, a psychological thing okay. as well. I mean, natural gas was in a bear market for for years, uh, over a decade. And now we've finally kind of broken out of that. Uh, I will say that, the you know, the U.S. is getting better at, at exporting natural mm -hmm. gas, liquid natural liquefied natural gas, but we're not there yet. We don't have the infrastructure to really meet Europe's demands for years down the road. That said, I think that the psychological support is there and I think the trend remains higher. That said, uh, be careful. You don't want to chase prices. Natural gas is the kind of market that can break a dollar, dollar fifty without mm. interfering with the bull move. So don't be a price chaser. A good reminder there in terms of the volatility that we see in natural gas, I think it's important to remind traders to become very familiar with the product before getting involved in terms of trading it. But, you know, we've been hearing about uh, increased demand in terms of, well, exports for natural gas, but uh, lower production here actually in the U.S. And uh, the other thing, again, as you mentioned, in terms of some of those exports have been going to Europe to help them sort of ease dependence from Russia. But I've been hearing about infrastructure and uh, you mentioned LNG, uh, our ability to export uh, I've been hearing infrastructure constraints there as well in terms of their ability to store and uh, receive some of those uh, uh, new flows. Talk to us a little bit about the strong dollar here in terms of uh, oftentimes, you know, you mentioned inventory is not really providing the result you'd expect to see uh, with strength in the U.S. dollars. We pointed out at the top of the show, it's kind of uh, boggling minds as far as how commodities have managed to shrug that off. I guess it really focuses attention back to the geopolitics. Yeah, I think it's a flight to quality going into the dollar, but you're okay. right. I mean, the one fundamental thing about commodities is when the dollar goes up, commodities go down and vice versa. Mm -hmm. That relationship has just been thrown out the window. I think it's temporary. Eventually, it'll come back. Uh, things will normalize. But who, when? Who knows? I mean, it could it could be like this for a little while. So it's pretty impressive to see, uh, particularly the metals. If you look at gold and silver, they've they haven't uh, they might be a little lower than what a lot of people might expect given all the chaos that's going on. But at the same time, with the dollar index at 100, uh, gold and silver avoiding any washouts, I think that's pretty bullish. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to uh, just take a look quick, quickly at this chart. I think it really speaks to, and gold for that matter as well. We could pull up either gold and overlay it with the dollar as well here. But in this instance, the dollars, the candles, you can see the strength up at through 100. Even crude is the purple line. But a very similar pattern here most recently over the last few months here as far as what we've seen with gold back up and through this 2000 level. 
let's talk a little bit about, or near the 2000 level, I should say. Uh, lastly, let's talk a little bit about uh, other commodities that you have your eye on, Carly, that, uh, again, we haven't really uh, gotten into yet. So I, I continue to like the upside in gold and silver. Now some warning, uh, there's some some caution is warranted. Gold and silver are not the types of markets that slowly grind higher. Mm -hmm. They are extremely erratic markets. So um, be careful with that. But with that said, I do think we're heading towards 2100 probably in gold and silver. I think could see the low 30s. And the reason I think that is we've seen everything uh, but the kitchen sink thrown at gold and silver. For example, the higher dollar we just talked about. Mm -hmm interest rates spiking uh, at a basically rate of change we've almost never seen before. So all of these things generally work against the metals and they've just managed to hang in and hold most of their gains, not all of them, but but a good chunk of them. And I think that we're starting to finally uh, see some continuation of the uptrends in gold and silver after they've been consolidating for a little while. And it's it should also be noted that you know, coming into the year, investors were told cash is trash. If you're holding cash, you're losing money because of inflation. Well, as it turns out, uh, stocks haven't done so well for, for everybody. Bonds haven't done so well. So there's really not a lot of places that people can find to put money that's not painful. And I think metals might be a beneficiary of that eventually. You know, we uh, oftentimes talk about commodities as a whole as a hedge against some of these factors that you just mentioned. Again, inflation, uh, bonds, which haven't done very well for investors either. And, uh, it, you know, it kind of boggles our viewers' minds. And oftentimes when you talk about it with uh, uh, friends and family, they don't really understand the idea of thinking about grains, for example, as a hedge. They think about options on, uh, you know, the indices, for example, or the VIX or some of the other strategies that are more commonly uh, uh, available, but this really proof positive recently of the importance of kind of understanding that concept. Carly, appreciate you joining us here and sharing your Wednesday with us. Carly Garner is a senior commodity strategist and broker at D Carly Trading. You can check her out there.